The place is just full of chances The chances, the chances I wanna have all the answers The answers, the answers Can somebody turn the lights on? Welcome to Tales the East End, episode 187, and it's me, Gary Payne, of course, the Prof, Carl Royley, is here as usual. Big guest today, Gary. Very, very big guest, yeah. Very big guest. It's a big one we've been planning for a while. big, fat, molten head guest. <laughs> I, had to, I had to widen the door to get him in, to widen the arches to get him in. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, Robbers will have played UCD in the opening day of the season behind closed doors, and we'll, well, supposedly behind closed doors, we're appealing it, and we'll be all on the bus to the Brandywell, the Tifty's bus will be going up there, but we're not going to talk about those games until next week, because we have a special guest, like we said. It's Roddy Collins. The, always the formidable figure so Roddy welcome to the lair as we call it good man I'm glad to be here over the south side of Dublin got lost for half an hour but there you go <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go the only place I knew in the south side of Dublin was Milt yeah. we oh. should have said Stanway Park straight away because that's where we used to train that's it getting chased by the Rangers you trained at Stanway Park we did in 2006 I know because I was the manager <laughs> I remember it well my first night there on the hour the pitch I'll never forget it and I walked and the Trevor Malloy looked at me and he goes... Hiding in the butchers I heard you were. No, 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 but I'll tell you what did happen. I said, lads, they came to do the, uh, you know, the, the random drug test. Yeah. And look around the dressing room and said, I'll take a few years to grab that fucking wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stand away, yeah. Yeah, so I've got a few fan questions today. Some serious, some not so serious. Ah, come right? on. If so. you haven't got the bottle to turn up and ask me, right? Oh, I'll <laughs> tell you what, don't give me that. Don't give me that. Well, here's the, here's well, no, I'm having no bottle when I was the manager. Because they slagged me when I turned to have a go to go missing. There you go, yeah. There you go. Well, here's Here's an easy one to start off with. What was the story with Albert McCready's tan in Cambrils when you met him? Albert McCready's tan. Through his tattoos, I could see his tan. Albert's a gentleman. <laughs> I'm walking down. I'm in a place in Spain where nobody speaks English. Right? They all speak Catalonian. Don't you speak Spanish? Well, Spanish Catalonian. And I come out of a restaurant, I turn the corner, and I see this fella standing in front of me. How are you, Rod? I'm looking. And I couldn't play, so I sat around with John Newland many times at the games, and it was Albert. And uh, we made arrangements to meet him. Now, in actual fact, he went, I know he went, and I was going mad to get up, but I enjoyed his company so much. So I rang everyone, and the, and the real Mick McCarthy said, I'll track him down on real know, one of these Instagrams or something. But he got him sent his number, and I rang Albert, and I said, Albert, Will you meet me tonight for a point with your wife and lovely, and lovely daughter and my wife, Carolyn, and we did brilliantly. Ah, was it was a good, good, it, was good Rover, it was a good round for Celtic night, I have to be honest with you. It was great. He was twisting your arm to come on this podcast, in fact. Huh? He, he, he was twisting your arm to come on. He said it to me. Yeah. Would I go on? I said, why wouldn't I? Yeah, he's a good man. Why wouldn't good I? Man. I mean, all I'd done was good for Rovers. The players are brought in. We'll, we'll, we'll get on to that. Well, that's debatable. We'll get on to that. Yeah, go ahead. So, Roddy, we're going to talk about your stint at Rovers during your playing days. And you bounced around the lower leagues in Britain before joining Old King's Hoops <coughs> in 88. So, tell us, how did the move come about? And did you have enough in England just so not fed up? I'll tell you how it came about. Right. I, um, I was playing with Newport County. And King and asked me to sign with Derry. <coughs> I, was actually, I was actually in negotiation with Newport County on a contract. And they offered me money. And King and me. And offered me twice the amount to go to Derry. Right? So obviously I was going to Derry. I'm then Carolyn was home here with one of my kids. 
at the time that she said, Rod, it's, you've had a go, come on home. You know, I was getting, what, 27 then. Come on home, you've had a go. I says, right, I'll come home. So I remember, I remember King are saying to me, just hang fire, I'll ring you with your flight details from Bristol. I'm still fucking waiting on them details. <laughs> <laughs> he never came back to me. But then when I come home, eventually I'd had enough. Uh, Newport was gone. It was it was going to happen. I was hoping to walk me up the least, but it was getting on. I had to be realistic and I had to think of the family. So I said I'd come home and uh, King her gave me show. Yeah, and was there a fee involved? Was it a bag of balls? <clears throat> no, no, no. A few no. babes? There was nothing. There was nothing. There was no fee, no nothing. And I'd done the contract in the Wimpy Barndars history and I had a big A4 page because at the last episode with King getting left sitting there, I, um, I made everything. We wrote her all down, signed it. And it was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. I think we trained in Tree Rock then. Um, Tree Rock, yeah. The south side up yeah, there? Yeah, up the mountains. Up the mountains, yeah. It was no, no King now. We wouldn't be a big fan of him. Was he a big spoofer then as he is no, now? No, no. He was brilliant. I have to say, I don't know. You don't have opinions on those football people are spoofers and all that. <laughs> but one thing about Kinger, he was miles ahead of his time coaching. Really? Uh, no, yeah. that's, that actually, that said a lot. By yeah, that it, honestly, that, that said a lot. And at the end of the day, that I absolutely enjoyed working for King. I thought he was brilliant, and everything was. Sometimes you go training, and it's reputation you're fed up. But you know, it's gone. But with King, it was always something different, always something, and yeah. it was brilliant. Was, was he brilliant. not part of the Stooge Empire? You could say the FAI that you hated. Uh, well, I think he did fall in with them years afterwards, but. A lot of people fell in because they thought, well, if you can't beat them, you have to join them. Yeah. And I would lose respect for people. And, and I know King, since I was about 13 years of age, he comes from a good part of town, a real football part of town. Bearsford Street comes from, and a lot of good players come out. I brought him. As a man, you know, we had conversations with King about this, and I understand. He's a family, and football's in his blood. So tied his flag to the mast type of thing, like he, he nailed well, his flag to the mast. You know the old saying: "You can't beat them, join them." That yeah. just wouldn't be my way, you know. Any memory of your debut goal against Bowles, September '88? Oh yeah, I rose about four <laughs> foot. Off. I actually tormented uh, Ronnie. Ronnie, what was named the horse? Ronnie, <coughs> the ball sent the happy red at a fella. Ronnie Murphy. And I kept saying to Ronnie, I've put a yard of pace on since I went to England. Through the game, I was driving the mad and he was giving me a whack and all that. But a ball came into the box. I think I headed it back to the fair post. I headed it back to the post. 1-0. It was it 1-0 or 2-1 that night? Actually, don't have the score. <coughs> yeah, we won anyway. And that was me, me debut goal, yeah. For Rovers. And I went down to be top scorer. I think we got, about, I think we got 12 or 14 goals that year. So uh, You were a top league goal scorer anyway, yeah, with 8. Uh, well, maybe maybe more all competitions, but eight in the league anyway. Yeah. Uh, any memories of a player called Ricky McAvoy? Was he like the Paddy McCart oh, of his day? He was brilliant. <coughs> Ricky, Ricky, I missed Ricky at Luton. I, or not Luton, Cambridge. I just went. Ricky, Ricky was at the Luton Cambridge. I went to Cambridge for a stint. And they're all raving about him, you know. So when I came home and I ended up in the north of Ireland, Ricky was playing with. Hold on, no, I met Ricky at Rovers. I met him at Rovers, sorry, he, he ended up in the north. Ricky, you couldn't get a ball at him. And I mean that. You could not get, even his own players couldn't get a ball at him. He was brilliant. A, 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 unbelievable talent that was probably wasted. One of the, you know, the usual geniuses that just don't. Yeah. 
plenty of them, isn't it? Yeah, and he was brilliant. Ricky was great. I was my postman for years, but he retired <laughs> that. No, Ricky was brilliant. He was he was a great lad. He was great player. Yeah, and the way people talk about him, he probably should have gone on and done a lot more ah, in yeah. football. Even yeah. in England, I I went to Cambridge and he, they said, oh, "What a waste!" Even at Luton Town, they 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 were up in the championship then, mm. and they raved about him. But Ricky had his own way of living his life, and uh, there it goes. You know, that's the story for him to tell you. Do you recall an FAI Cup tie in '89 all the way up north? Moville, yeah. Uh, Donegal yeah, yeah Moville it was yeah that's right non-league yeah. team and a uh, bit of disco dancing was there that Ricky was. in the disco that was <coughs> Ricky walked in I think John McNamara was there at the time and Ricky and a fella called Andy Muir walked into a disco cigarette in the hand the whole lot and he was in there <laughs> the chairman so I remember I had an injury I wasn't to play and I remember the next day uh, at breakfast King of called the team meet if my recollection is right and he threw the two lads out of the team meet and they were and gone. you were injured but you were grooving around the dance floor am I right? no I wasn't in the dance floor I was with my wife ah <laughs> oh, right right my wife was with me we all were allowed to bring our partners so we wasn't in any dance, fo- dance hall I never done that when I played I actually never ever 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 drank ever midweek when I played football till I was 37 never weddings, funerals, christenings playing the Sunday have a few points yeah and from that day till the next Sunday nothing nothing that leads into the question that we're going to ask in the late yeah. 80s was there a drinking culture and we were going to say did you enjoy a drop you're saying you didn't have that in midweek or anything never but was there a culture there was some like every like everything like there was some uh, players that were drinking a torch night after training and they trained on a Saturday morning sweated out mm. but it wasn't a huge thing now you know but on a Sunday after straight into Magnums and then into Rumours and Dentalisa Street that's the way it was once a week and that was it you know but like you got away with it back then people that did drink they had a bit of ability like like uh, Larry Murray people with ability could drink but you need to run I had no great ability they need to run and walk and get stuck in I needed me engine you give them a bit of leeway would you the likes of that players with a bit of ability and if they were a bit mad well you took a blind though yeah. you would have to I'm, I'm sure plenty of managers did because if they're giving it to you on a match day you're not going to unearth the can of worms or open the can of worms and say, where are we on Friday or where are we on Thursday? I've done it myself as a manager, you know. You'd have to pretend you didn't know. But the minute they don't do it, you can come down and get a ton of bricks and nail them and you can take off wherever you're Thursday, wherever you're last to, you know. So, look, there was more drink involved then than there is now, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But there was no drugs involved, that's for sure. There was a famous game towards the end of 88-89, Derry away. Derry won the treble that season. Having signed some of the players from the far in a row, uh, taking them from Rovers, so <coughs> thirteen thousand fans, hundred Rovers fans, we got a, a late winner, basically putting the champagne on ice. Do you remember that game? Putting the champagne on ice, yeah, I remember it well. I think they lived. <coughs> I think Noel King got a King's charity. Is that right? I failed. I can't remember who scored the winning goal now. I didn't write it down, but No King was Gaffer. Do you remember that about that game? No, the only thirty games I really remember was we played them twice. It was a two-legged cup semi-final. That was that inj- season as well. I yeah. took an injection in the knee for that game up in Derry. I did bad. No, I actually didn't get the knee injury from football. And, that, it was certain and what was the injection back then? Well, what exactly were they putting in your knee? Did no, you even know? No, you wouldn't even ask. Yeah, you just did you for the club. That, like, yeah. You just asked, you said, Rod, we need you. And I said, Rod, come on, bang it in. Do you reckon it was a placebo <coughs> or it actually did something? No, 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 it was definitely because I tell you one thing, you could have hit it with a baseball bat and I wouldn't have felt that. It was like. <laughs> 
I remember it well. They could have cut me from the, the knee down. I wouldn't have even felt it. But um, yeah, look, we've done all them things back in the day. We, I played with a broken foot one day. I played with a broken toe for six weeks. And I injected it on the away games myself. I injected it before the games. This was in the North Nottingham Rovers. I'd inject it before the game and I'd keep half the injection half time. I'd go in and I'd finish injecting off into me foot. Doctor showed me how to do it. So it was different. It was different back then, you know. It was the lads were hardier. You know what I mean? They were hardier. And even the ones that didn't have a drink, you'd never hear them all. They'd get out and just sweat it out and they'd have a go, you know. It was, it was different then. It was old school. Yeah, it was old school. How did you find playing ball? <coughs> Juggling a profession at the same time. What was it? What, what were you doing? Were you a tradesman? And playing I was a plaster. Yeah. Plaster we trade, yeah. And um like you, you look at I remember being on a building site in Rings End on a Monday on a scaffolding and on a Wednesday night being in Standard Liège playing the European Cup. Yeah. Right. And I remember I remember I remember we were beaten eight one. Right? It was for that loan. We were at the draw we were at the we were at the losing three two in that loan and they missed a the penalty. We we missed the penalty, they scored one. Went down to never thought we were brilliant. They battered us. I remember, and I was on a build suit in the morning. I remember the fellow was, that was marking me, a big, huge, for about six foot four, built like a, he was built like something out, out of a Roman, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. what do you call it? Gladiator. Gladiator, yeah. And he stripped off the swap shorts, and I looked at him and went, I'll give you mine up the tunnel. Front of that crowd on that day, you know, but yeah, it was, look, you worked hard. He went home, had a little rest. I used to go, when I saw him at Kinger, I saw him at Rovers, I lived on Black Horse Avenue. And I used to go to work on my bike, plaster all day, go home, finish early, have a cup of tea, a little rest, back on my bike and cycle over to Tree Rock. And then play the Some cycle. Things. It was. It was, yeah. And that's, but you didn't think anything of it. It's just yeah. the way it was. You had to do it. There's no alternative. Doing it like, and we loved it. Yeah. And it wasn't for money. We didn't get big money around that, but we just loved it. That's what it was, you know. Yeah. Did the hoops fans take you when when, uh, when you played with Robert? Did you, uh, did you get a good reception? There was one fucker kept annoying me. I got I got a smack <laughs> in the mouth. I'll never forget it. <laughs> in Dahlia, in the in outside the boardroom. Uh, what do you look like? Oh, I know who he is, and his father-in-law was a friend of mine. He was a bricklayer, but I remember him well, and. Colin Jeffogel, he wouldn't give me a minute, and I, I tried hard. I never, I, no matter where they played, I managed. I gave a hundred percent. Yeah. And I remember him; he wouldn't leave me alone. So I said to my uncle, "Do me a favour, go behind the goal and find this fella for me." So he did. Dope he was, and I remember in the in the in the, in the walkway in Daily Mount, we were playing in Daily at the time. He came down the walkway, and boom! I banged him on the chin. Fucking dope. You know, <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, other than that, yeah. I mean, when you're scoring goals, and I never ever remember anyone abusing me. There was one fella called Hennessy, played for Rovers. He was an elf, an elf, when I was playing there. And I remember he was up the stand, and someone pulled me and said, You should be ashamed of yourself. You've played for Rovers. Mm. He's trying, you know what I mean? I don't know why he had so much. Liam Hennessy, was it? The 50s? Player? Liam Hennessy, is that him? He'd be an old man now, he'd probably be gone, is he? I think he's passed away, yeah. yeah. Obviously, it was strange playing your home games out of Daily Mount Park, though, wasn't it? What was that vibe playing at the home of your rivals? Uh, it didn't really matter to me. It didn't bother me. Like I just thought it was a great little pitch. Oh, the love of it was Milltown, to be honest with you. I loved playing up there. But it wasn't. And we just got on with it. Mm. You know what I mean? We just got on with it. There was no one moaning. We were just happy to be playing for hours, I suppose. And it was... Kinger was brilliant. 
uh, John McNamara and he uh, soon played for us. He had a, a cosmetic company. Oh, what was the man's name? You, 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 you know, I'm, I'm raging because John Colwell, John Col oh, Colwell, yeah, yeah. right? Colwell. They were brilliant. They were brilliant. We wanted for nothing. When we travelled, we travelled properly. <laughs> we got our bus, we got our wage, we got our field. There was never any corners cut or anything. The only thing we didn't have the other clubs had was a stadium to call their own. Mm -hmm. But we, we, we were... We but in that, it was well run. I was very well run. It was really well run. The training was brilliant. The equipment, the kit, the professionalism that King of Purim was brilliant. And then you had the lads on the board, and, uh, John Caldwell and, and John McNamara. And they were brilliant. It was great. It was actually brilliant, you know. Did you leave on good terms? You went to Dundalk after, after I left on good terms. I did, yeah. I'll tell you what happened. Torlock was my man. Torlock brought me into the league and he he he, he showed me for Dundalk and then he saw me to England and then when I come back I went to Rovers and he badgered me. He he actually asked me to sign with Dundalk before Rovers, but I wanted to sign with Rovers. Mm. And then he badged me the whole season and he gave me a brilliant he gave me a brilliant deal and it got me a, a big house out of it, you know. <laughs> got me a deposit of a big house out of it. <laughs> so you played for four different clubs up north, including Banger as player manager in yeah. 1995. And uh, I was reading a story, uh, you were saying in an interview before, you were player manager of Banger, and you had a big match coming up, but you had to fly to Millstreet to see your brother Steve face Chris Eubank for the World Championship. Yeah, that's right, yeah. We, I, was to, I was a player, never ever in a million years thought I'd manage. I'd be having the crack in the dressing room. I wouldn't be one for tactics or anything like that. But I would know the game. And I remember um, the manager, Nigel Best, went to take over Glenavon and the chairman said to me, Rob, will you take us for four weeks? Of course I will. And I did. And in that four-week stint, Stephen was fighting you back in Mill Street. We were playing Linfield. They were in a relegation battle. I felt obliged not to let them down, but I had to be with my brother in the dressing room. So I tried to, how can I figure this out? So I paid £1,700 rent to a little airplane and I flew from Newton Arts to Farnafor. That's a bit of an old Charlie, that is, doesn't it? I think yeah. that's a bit of a, a, bit of a Charlie thing. What do you, do you, do you, do you know what I mean? Oh, no, no. Come here. Yeah, that, wouldn't that be no, like this wasn't a Charlie airplane. No. This was a, this was a, <laughs> a Robin Williams with means. <laughs> it was the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. And I brought, I brought two players, one with his wife, and there was a carpenter in the, it wasn't a, a commercial airport, it was a little private flying club. And there was a carpenter put up a petition and when he heard what we were doing, he couldn't believe it. And we dispersed his so I brought him as well. <laughs> jump in. I said jump in and he did. Got a few detras. I got a few detras, yeah, I did, yeah. I got the wheels of me. What way did they did you get them there? Were they letters? Were they bulletin? No, the I got I got one no, I got one on the phone to the house. My landline. Over what? Just I was Because you're a Republican up north? Yeah. That's it? That was it. That's insane. That was it. Yeah. So the, you got the phone call sure saying, like what, what was the an ultimatum? Can you do this? Don't, don't come back up. Don't come back up. Yeah, it's a boat waiting for you. Yeah. How did you react to that? Oh, I said, well, make sure you fucking hit me. Don't leave me in a wheelchair. And I went back up. <laughs> don't hit me in the head, is it? Finish the job. And did you ever have any bad interactions with fans? With sectarianism or anything like that? Oh, up up that, north? Yeah. Like that. Well, funny enough, <laughs> the, 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 I played for Crusaders. And that was right in the heart of the Shaw Road, where the Tiffer Tats were, you'd find all the cars burnt out there. It was a loyalist 
sort of stronghold. Like. Stronghold. Yeah. Upstairs was it? Was it? Uh, apparently there was a there was a lot of loyalist meetings up there, but we just went there and played and left. We never got involved. You know, which it should be the way. With tell, football, anyway. Of course. The, the only time we really felt intimidated was when I went to Porter down. That was hostile, and that was like within the club, within the from club, your own fans, within the club, f- from the away fans, and within the club, like you would never go into bars afterwards and that. But we were in one day, waiting, and there was a little cohort of uh, fellas there, and they were making it. You know, like it was intimidating. Mm. So, but I remember. I, I think I'm, I'm trying to do this right. <coughs> I think it was the Shankill bomb. It's just that my timing could be off. I don't know if we played it day. But there was a significant bomb went off. And we were playing. You hear the boom. You actually hear right. it. Oh, you hear it. It's a boom. Right. And then you hear woo, woo, all the emergency services. And I remember going to dress him after the game. And it was eerie. And we were told. Don't get in the shower. Get in the car and get down that road quick. Right? Get home. It's, it's not the right place to be for a, for a Catholic at the time. So, yeah, that was it. So your playing career was kind of winding down then in the mid-90s. You came back to Bowes and St. Francis. Uh, so, from start to finish of your playing time, who's the best player you played with? The best player I ever played with? Jesus. How do you mean in a game? And yeah. any just who who impressed you George the most? Best. Yeah. Yeah, I played a training game with George. <laughs> I fall him. No, the best player. Let me think. Eh, Jesus, there was loads of good players. I'd have to think about that. But it was like, how can you call the best player? Obviously, the best player that I ever played with. That I'd be selfish. That would enhance my game. Was Liam Dunn. Yeah. Up at Crusaders, he was brilliant to play with. As a midfield player and a striker, we were like, we had it off to a tee and I scored, I think I scored 40 odd goals up there in the, in, the, in the season and a half or something. And Liam huge. the best player I ever played with was Michael O'Connor. The best player, he yeah. was brilliant. When I went to Atlanta, my first full season League of Ireland, coming back off a broken leg, I was out for nearly 18 months and I signed for Atlanta and Michael was brilliant. He was brilliant. I scored 20 odd goals that season and I'd say, I'd say 50% were tapping so Michael yeah. doing all the work you know doing all the doggy work yeah. what about the best player you played against well the hardest was Keely yeah damn it was the hardest he was oh he told he tackled he tackled the lawnmower before oh, he couldn't pass he ta- water he couldn't pass water but he tackled that no he couldn't play football <laughs> no he couldn't he couldn't play football damn couldn't pass a ball from A to B but he wasn't employed to do that but boy Jesus the ball didn't pass him and the player certainly didn't pass him not very often but damn it was uh, well I played against Gary Palliser if that's if that's I actually met him in Temple Bar and I told him I made his career because I played against him <laughs> twice against Middlesbrough and United signed him about a month later and I used to record signing that Mansfield so I told him the way he kept me in his back pocket got him a move to Man United so he, he bought me a point anyway but now um, the hardest without a doubt was Damien. Um, what about the maddest player? Any the, the maddest player you've ever, you've ever played with? Paul Bourne. Paul Bourne, yeah. Maddest player, ever, maddest player ever played against Gas. I'm one of the best. What about one of the best players you ever managed. Yeah, what about the maddest player you've ever coached? There's been a few. Bocker has, has to be up there. Billy Boy has to be up there as well. Billy Boy was brilliant. <laughs> I love him. 
We'll come back to that. We'll come back yeah, to that. Yeah. Let that unsimmer and we'll think about it. We'll talk about your time. We're going to get deep into it now. Uh, your time at Roberts as a gaffer. So a few months at Dublin City and then in November 04. Controversial move to the hoops. Tell us yeah. a little bit about I'll, it. I'll tell you the whole lot about it. I'll tell you what happened. I was at Dublin City. They were struggling. They had no money. Right Now we got paid, don't get me wrong. Mm. But I was called to a meeting and I was told uh, the club was folding. And I was was at the this Jordan, was this when Effin Okoku was there and Carlton Palmer, you brought them to in? We did, yeah. They were, that were, those were two strange signings, weren't they? Like, yeah. As regards to the League of Ireland. Well, they were, but we were in a relegation battle, right? When I took over, they were brutal. And <laughs> you, you, you can't be wasting your time trying to coach people. So if you can get experienced players, particularly defenders yeah. in the league, to have an experience or a striker that can hold the rope, you go for them all then, or a goalkeeper. And I knew Carl, he was a friend of mine, and Effin was his mate. So they come over and there was no big money involved. They were sponsored in the hotel in the Skyline, sponsored for their flights, and they got a few quid. A jolly up for them, let's be honest. Well, it wasn't. I mean, they weren't gargles. No. They come over, played, and were professional, and flew back the next day. Okay. But they were actually doing me a favour. But, um, so it was going pear shaped there. I got called into a meeting, and then a few stories come back to me, and I knew, I knew I was getting hung out the dry. Because yeah. there was a statement going to be released, and I said, I want to see before you release it. Oh, Jesus, you want to see it? I was getting slaughtered. So I got my solicitors onto that. I said, print that and I'll suit it for whatever you have, which wasn't a lot. But anyway, so then I got a phone call. That's how it started. The initial contact was a phone call, yeah? I got a phone call of John Eonan, my good friend. And John said, Rod, Rovers wants you to take over. And I said, well, I will, but I'm not taking over this season. Not while I'm involved with Dublin Senior Relegation Battle. And then I met one of the Rovers directors who told me a horrendous story. That was told that that happened, that the the, the the people at Dublin City, what that plan was. Right. So I knew. So you had a little mole in the camp. You knew what was going coming knew, down the line. I knew what was coming, days down the line. So I went in and I confronted them over it and I said, "Get your plan B and action. I'm off." And so where are you going? I said, "No, the Rovers and I'm taking over tonight." And that was it. And what was the what, what were the expectations from the people who heard you at Rovers? What were they expecting you to do? Well, obviously, it's win a league. That's what Rovers do every year with yeah. every manager, you know. So it was, it was, a, it was a difficult time. There was no money. There was no money at the club. No. And when I went in, there was not a lot of wasters there. Like you know, in my opinion. Yeah, that comes to our next one. Who did you bring in with your players, boys and staff? Who did you bring in? And was uh, there much scope to bring anyone in? Terry Everson was your assistant. Evo come in with me. Yeah, Evo's brilliant. Evo come in with me. Players come in. Who? Paddy McCourt, Brian Shelley. Well, I'm McDonough. Beach Boy came in with you, didn't he? Yeah. Mark yeah. Kenny. You brought him from Dublin City, I brought didn't him from Dublin City, yeah. And he had a, he had a Rovers background. He didn't play <coughs> Rovers before, did he? He, he had a Rovers yeah, background. Yeah, he had a Rovers yeah. background. And he, he was good on set pieces. <laughs> but anyway. That was about it, was it? So, <laughs> I brought... And then there was David Mooney. There was Barry Murphy in goal. There was... These were all your signings? Yeah. I gave Barry his debut. David Mooney. Like, we had a number, I brought in Jason Gavin, who was an Irish international, and still in, in his early 20s, late middle 20s. I brought in, who did I bring in? I brought in, I brought in a very good squad. When you look mm. at that squad of players, mm. if you had them now, they'd be in the top four. But it was all over the shop. We had no ages. Mm. We were going, oh, it was terrible. And I don't blame the lads that employed me. They tried their best. They really tried their best. It just was horrendous. You've explained your reasons there why you went from Dublin City to Rovers, but from the outside, 
could you understand the reaction to you jumping ship to another team in the relegation? Can you understand why that was viewed so negatively? I don't care. I know why. And, I, and as you said earlier, you'll read all the facts in the book. I don't care. I, I wouldn't do that. I hung in there when I knew I had meetings with that club. I said, don't be worrying. I would try to borrow money for that club. For right. Dublin? Oh, yeah. yeah. Big time I did. Right, so I wasn't jumping ship on anyone. But when I heard what was going on in the background, I was getting shafted. So preemptive strike so from I, you. I got advice, go before the rogues pull from under your feet. And then the rovers would come out. And, and, I, and I'd stand over this. I said to the lads up in rovers, I'm not taking over. Even if I walk away from Dublin City, I'm not taking over till the season's over. And they said, you've one chance now or never. And you don't get made chance yeah. to take over rovers, you know. So we took it over. So pre-season, 2005, how did you prepare for it? Was there a strict regime and did you travel abroad? Ah, yeah. You see, we went down to... We went down to Spain. We hadn't got a shilling. Right? <laughs> but we were Shamrock Rovers. And if you want to attract players, it can't be like, we're Rovers, everyone's going around cribbing and crying, we've no boots, we've no gear, we've no nets. I said, we're back. We're Shamrock Rovers. Pardon me. Brilliant brand name, right? And the anyone who signed it said, We're going for it this year. Mm. The new stadium, I showed them all the stadium. Grass, Selling the dream. The grass was three foot tall, but anyway, mm. we thought we, we, we could, you know, be there. So I sold them the dream and we prepared out in Spain. I remember being in the airport and we were short of about 400 quid to go, right? And my cousin was the travel agent. He'd done a cost price, he didn't charge a penny profit, right? And we were short of 400 quid in the hotel. And I remember Tony, Tony, ah, player or no, 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 not a player. No, Tony. He was on the board at the time. Ran into the airport. <laughs> I'm at the ball and up for hundred, and he gave it to us. And off he went. I remember John Brain, but, but uh, John Newman paid for all the pre-match meals and stuff like that. And John Brain uh, bought a few drinks for the boys and paid for all the bus journeys to 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 La Manga and stuff like that. So it looked from the outside brilliant. And we went down to La Manga and I sent loads of pictures back to the star that I walked walked with and then was gone, that's brilliant. And it did help when I was trying to get other players into the club, you know. So did there actually was there much training at all? Or all training. Uh, all training. All training. Every day. Every day. A few sherries at night. There's what? A few sherries at night, wasn't there? There was on one occasion. One just the uh, one. Just one occasion. We gave them a night off and there was a few went overboard but we sorted that one out, and it was it was sorted. Anyway, FC right. Dallas, that was one of the one of the games, wasn't it? Yeah, and then a the game versus the locals that didn't didn't. Well, I took uh, them off the pitch in that game. Yeah, was there digging matches? There was digging. One of the spirit, uh, one of the spirit, Trevor Malloy. That's, now, that's probably the wrong person the spirit. Exactly, <laughs> and that's why I took the pitch. The players off the pitch. It was a joke, so I took them off the pitch. That was a nightmare. Let them out a few beers. Mm. We were was, come on. I just called the game off. It's only on about a half. And they were kicking lumps of us, and I knew we could kick lumps. These were expats, weren't they? Yeah. And oh, what was yeah. the story? Was, why was know. there such animosity during that game? I don't know. I haven't got a clue. I don't know what that game was. It was like, when we got there, it was grand. Everything was hunky dory. Then suddenly they start kicking lumps out of us. So you were thinking, this isn't what we need pre-season. Ah, come here. You go out for pre-season to train, to get a, a game in where you're not too competitive. You might try a few different bits and pieces, give everyone a game. This was like, it was unbelievable. So I pulled them out the pitch and then we went down. I knew, I knew when... Um, Colin Clark went down to him in the manga and he gave us an end of his training pitch. We had no money, we weren't even built in. He'd, he'd one training pitch and one playing pitch 
and he says you can use that one tomorrow and in the afternoon then we give you a game as well so it worked out great in the end and did the dressing room take you straight away considering you had to come in did you clear a lot of dead wood and then the ones that you brought in so did did everybody buy into your philosophy uh, yeah. every dressing room you walk into everyone's wondering is he going to be my place when you walk into the dressing room none of them are your place mm. right but when you get a call you see who the deadwood is, you see who the messengers are, you see who doesn't give a shit, right? They're gone. When they're gone and you walk in, the ones that are there are your place. The ones you bring into your place, then they're your place, and then it's your dressing room. Hmm. You called out some of your signings there. Somebody asked us about two fullbacks, Derek Phillips and Walski. Uh, where did you get them? Walski, oh, I don't know where they got him, but he ended up at Stockport County in the Championship. He played a lot of games in England after that. I don't know where they got him. I don't know where they got him. What nationality was he? French, was he? I think he was French, yeah. Yeah, he was a great lad. Big, strong fellow. wasn't very mobile, you know, but he, he was solid. He was a good professional. Some players didn't take him. Just be a little bit of animosity there in the training pitch with him. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there was a few digging matches there, but he could well handle himself. But other than that... Was there um, just gloves and pads just waiting there for all these digging matches? How we don't bear local, but you give it an album. <laughs> Only sissies wear boxing gloves. But um and then Derek Phillips, I got him in America, he wasn't he wasn't really up to the mark, you know, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. He was a troyer. You see, I I I, I got lucky with Avery John at Bowles from the Bulldogs, Boston Bulldogs, and he came through the mm-hmm. same one. Avery was an international, he was a good player. Well not to play the World Cup actually. Yeah. He did, he got set down against England. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Set, but anyway, so when Phillips came in, it was the same sort of Channel, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I took a point said, on him, and it wasn't here. big money. And he paid his own fare over and everything was grand, but he never, you wouldn't have lasted, you wouldn't have won that with him, you know. Uh-huh. But he was a great lad, like, you know what I mean. Brendan Dawson asked if you remember giving him his debut. Oh, he did, and I remember Mick McCarthy, the real Mick McCarthy, giving Brendan's him a job. another one, wasn't he? That he was a Troyer, wasn't he? Great kid, giving him a job, giving him a job as a painter and letting him off for training every day, you know. <laughs> Brennan was a great young know, he tried really he was only a kid now he was about 18 at the time was he mm. 17 he would have been a, a squad player t- t- to start off with. yeah it was a good young um, we have Emma Wheatley asking ask him did he punch Jason Gavin in the mush before throwing him in a taxi in Temple Bar after a game and is it because he wouldn't buy around never never no never I've never heard a player in my life ever except Richie Ford. Richie Ford. <laughs> yeah, that was that was because he stuck one on me first. Not even right. on a night out. Never. There's supposedly witnesses for this now. You, you well, know? bring them on. Bring them on. <laughs> but never ever. And Jason Gavin is still a friend of mine. I speak to him in Australia. He's with Joseph in. He's in Australia now, isn't he? He's in Australia, yeah. And probably Shelley from Everton, New Zealand the other day. But anyway, so no, never. That's definitely not true. <laughs> definitely not true. Emma has a follow up. She says did you approve of the squad having parties in their rented house every no, disaster. Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Disaster. I never knew about it. I found out about that. I went up one day on spec. I didn't know anything about it. I went up one day on spec and I went in and I was really... Where was this house now? Where, where, it where? was in Kingswood, was it? Right. No, no. Do you know, was it Kingswood, was it? Yeah, Kingswood. I was right now. And I went up and I remember going in. I smelled a bit of drink and I rooted around. I found about fucking ten bars behind the sofa. I ran amok. Oh, they never invited you know never, you never got the invite <laughs> there would have been one party that would have been the last one now raging over that but and the other side of the coin now when things were going wrong you can't find them if they're not getting wages mm. 
true. You can't talk to me because you can't bring anyone in. It was hard. It was the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. Your whole managing career. Oh yeah, absolutely. Forget about, forget about relegation battles with Carlo, relegation battles with Bowes, relegation battles taking over Banger, relegation battles wherever I took over. Managing Rovers was the most difficult because it was the be most expectations. Right, with the best players. With no structure. So most with expectations, no best players, least resources, you could say. With no resources. No resources. It was horrendous, you know. And I begged them. Week in, week out, don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. And fair play, I have to say, I remember one day we sat down and we divvied up the wages. Whoever needed it got most. You know what I mean? I that must have been tough to deal with now. It's a tough situation. Well, put your hand horrible. up like type thing. Yeah, it was. I remember sitting down and in fairness now, Mark Rutherford had a good few kids at the time. And he was going to college. He had no money. Trevor Malloy was all right for money because I think his man had to shop or somebody. I remember we sat down in a room and I said, lads, this is all we have between us. I was all right. Mm. I went weeks without wages, but it didn't bother me. I paid wages out of my own pocket at the time, right? But I remember sitting down and I've, I remember Trevor going, Rod, leave me out this week. I have a few quid. Yeah. Make sure Mark goes home with his wages. Someone else will go, I'm all right, I got this. And that's how we were operating. But from the outside of looking in, it sounded terrible. But see the lads, they were brilliant. They were brilliant fellas, but it was just, it was horrendous. Yeah. It was horrendous yeah. it was. And you couldn't talk about it. You couldn't talk about it. That's something you keep in-house though. It's not something you want. That's well, you, your you, dirty laundry really, isn't it? Well, you, you keep it in-house because it, it, it galvanises everyone. And it, you, thing. But then when the, the new lads took over and they handed me, I was going to bring her up actually, about a 70-page uh, legal document to tell me all the things I was doing wrong. You that's still have that? What, that's when I told them when we know gear. Still have it. Sure that'd be in the book? It's, it's in the book, yeah. Because <laughs> well, I, I, I remember we went to... Sky come over, right, to do a thing on us. Ray yeah. Kenny was featured in that, wasn't he? Was this Soccer Monday L? Was that that one? No, no, this, no. Wasn't, this wasn't. This was Sky. No, that was Sky. Scully. This Nothing was, to do it. Okay, that was on the Sky. Okay. This was this was um, a Sky production, and they come over and um, we had gear organised and it never turned up. So we borrowed it off a different company, and that was in the portfolio. Ah, come here, if you read it, you wouldn't believe it. It was horrendous. And to think that I was privileged to manage Rovers, in my mind I was, and I have no regrets, to think that what went on, you know what I mean? It was horrendous. Going back to Brent Dawson as well, he said he nearly got the sack when he told his gaffer about the wet days in the AOL. He says he went back to work, and he said, well, how would you get on training? He says, we had a game of bingo. Oh, we've done that, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. He said, quizzes well, and bingo. Bingo, snooker, walks on the beach. Um, <laughs> were very romantic ah yeah ice creams on the beach I've done it all you see you, you, you have to understand you can't be <clears throat> on, a, on, a, on a all the time you know what I mean you need to you need to you need to mix it up the balance yeah you have to have a balance you can't be boring people with tactics and football 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 talk especially when you're full time so <laughs> a little game of uh, cards or bingo you were the bingo caller Who's the bingo caller? <laughs> two little ducks, 22. Two fat ladies, 88. Uh, the real Mick McCarthy, your old pal, he has a question. He wants us to ask you about when you were managing Robbers and we were playing Bowes and you paid into Daily Melt. That's right. First game of the season, Bowes, Daily, wasn't it? I did, yeah. And we won 3-2 with nine men. 
Oh, this, was late, this was later in the season, was it? No, I don't think so. Is that the night I brought the bagpipes in? Yeah, that was a one-all draw. First yeah. game of the yeah, season. Yeah, first game was a one-all. Oh, the one-all, yeah. sorry. Lee Feeney. Lee Feeney scored. Yeah, that was the night we had the bagpipes going up. <laughs> and we tormented all the, the, the ball supporters. It was brilliant, it was. And uh, of course we paid in. Why not? We hadn't got a shilling, by the way. People don't understand. Ever since Rovers now, and it's, it is the best there's no doubt the best in the country and will be because the the way it's been structured in the whole is the best manager, best squad, best uh, uh, Ray Ray Wilson and and Dermot Desmond. It's brilliant. It's the best ever. But when we were back then, we had nothing. We had to pretend we'd everything, but we had nothing. I remember going around, asking some business people I knew to to take checks and hold them for a week. Wait, so money to drop. There was no money. Right, so it took you six attempts to get a win. So Derry away in April, three two win. Paddy McCart with a brace. How good was Paddy, and how did you come across Paddy? You brought Paddy, him in. I'll, tell, I'll tell you how we came across Paddy. When I was manager of Carlisle, we were playing Rochdale. We were winning two 0 and brought a half enough to go. This little skinhead come on, and he was brilliant, and he changed the whole game, mm. right? And I remember me assistant. John Cunningham, who we played with in Mansfield from Derry, saying to me, that's Harry McCord's brother. And I knew Harry, play, Harry played in the league. And his name is Paddy. He was only a kid, little, little skinhead, you know. I remember thinking, Jace, he especially, he was brilliant. So I tried to get him on loan at Carlisle a few times and I never got him, right? And then when I went to Rovers, I kept him quarting. He's not in the first team. So we flew over and they were playing Blackpool Last time I was playing, playing Blackpool and I went and I brought my son with me and he said, Dad, who are we watching? And I said, you tell me. And a ball came out of the sky and Paddy took it and nuts on the one touch, nuts the fella, B3 players and then he scored. He said, Dad, come with him. I said, it's him. So Paddy was coming off the pitch at half time and I said, come here, you fucking idiot. He said, there's about 10, 20 scouts there at one of the lower league clubs. I said, if you keep that up, you won't be coming home to Rovers. You know? So anyway, he arrived home with me and I remember he walked up the passage and Caroline thought he was a hunger striker. He looked like a hunger striker. <laughs> and he came in and did a big bowl of stew with me and Caroline and I wouldn't let him leave the house till he signed. And he kept saying, I need to speak to Leroy, you're not getting out of the house. Kept him for hours and he signed. And I have to say, he was brilliant. I used to go home and train him. <clears throat> and I used to think, oh, how did he do that today? He was just brilliant and a great fella. Mm. But he was king of the parties and... In Kingswood, I believe. Yeah. He tells me the best best part of his career in his whole football, including Celtic and Brighton and everyone else, was he staying that Rovers. And I said, I know he's a fucking drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to say that, yeah. I listened to a podcast and he said that his favourite time in football was, was under you at Rovers. But yeah. uh, do you also remember what you said when you signed him? Speaking yeah. to the Rovers supporters? I said, when he opens his legs. I said, I never looked at it. It sounded a bit ridiculous, like, you know, but yeah. I said, but what I meant was, and have you ever seen him play when he got moving? Oh, jeez. When you talk about that, um, that brings back memories of the hat trick versus Bray. Oh. Trevor Malloy in shock. Trevor was behind the goal like that. <laughs> I'm looking at it now. When the last goal was in, Trevor didn't even turn to celebrate. He like that. Paddy, <laughs> Paddy would do things and train every day. He was unbelievable, he was. And in actual fact, how he ended up at Celtic. Right, when they threw him out of Rovers, they actually threw him out of time to fuck off, right? 
Yeah, you can fuck off too. That in, was in, from Rovers. Oh yeah. So whose decision was that? That was well, someone from the board. You read about that one as well. It was yeah, and physically come into the dressing and so. And what you, was he getting the boot for? He what was that behaviour? Was they wanted him. Yeah. They wanted him off the wage bill because bill. it was the deadline was. Few. I had him sold. And then they just I'd released him. player so. Time to get out. I was on my way home training, and Trevor says, "You better get back down here quick." There's players getting thrown out left, right, and centre. So you'd left the room and they decided. I was going home. Yeah, and they did it behind your back, and pretty much. I walked in and said, "You, you, 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 and you, you can fuck off." That was it. No, no, you can leave. But Paddy said, "What about me?" Yeah, you can fuck off too. Paddy That's what we were. Yeah, there you go. So wait, and I give you a laugh, right? How did he end up? Uh, how did he end up at Celtic? Because my good friend, Al O'Kearney, who worked for me for years and helped me, wrote to Dermot Desmond. He says, I have a player here. That's what he Wrote him. We have a player, Paddy McCourt. That's how he ended up there. Celtic. That's how he ended up there. <laughs> we'll talk, go back to the football. And June was a bad month. Three losses to Bowles, Shells and Harps. Did you start to feel any pressure? And were the ah, fans yeah, on always, your back? Always, yeah. I didn't need fans on my back. That never bothered me. I was the one that was in bed not sleeping, you know. It was horrible. You know what I mean? Losing any game, but when you're... Have you got recollection of those games? The Bowls, Shells and Harps loss in June. So you would have been... You would have well, the Harps will already made well because the ball went through the keeper's legs. I had the, 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 the American goalkeeper. Russell Payne. Russell Payne. Would have been a 4 we loss we at were home, winning. We were winning. It was a one all Finn Harps, big manky all night. And the ball came out of the sky like this and he threw his legs. You know what I mean? But look, every time you lose with anyone... But with Rovers, because the support and the strength of the support and the travelling and the support and all that, you felt crap for the lads that support them. You always felt crap. It's not about you. You, you. When you're a manager, right, and you win a game and you see everyone happy, it's brilliant. You feel happy as well. But when you see people not happy, you feel not happy as well. It's just fucking mad. But I, I, was, I, knew, I knew starting off, I was told by a man high up on balls, Right, if you don't win four every week, you're not going to be fucked up. Because I knew, we never sent eyes of Bowles, man, because I managed Bowles, obviously. And, you know, we done the six foreign century. Everyone keeps on. Had to throw that in, didn't he? <laughs> well, I mean, let's be honest about it. That's what everyone blames me on. But they weren't saying that in century at half time when the ten was getting sacked in the morning. Yeah. And they were having a party and the Bowles supporters were leaving the ground. That was, they, they were gunning to get you at Bowles, weren't they? they were oh, yeah. To get you out. Oh, a couple yeah. of times that year, that oh, year they tried to get you out. Oh, big time. I watched, someone sent me the Bohemian Odyssey, is that what you call it? The other day, and I looked at it for the first time, and I counted four different fixtures where I was gone and we had a loss. All the mountains, like? Yeah, you I knew right? I was gone. I yeah. knew going to Talca Park one night that I was told, lose tonight, you sect. Right? I knew that. Folks, I knew at half time in Martin Stadium, I was called over, Rod, they're going to sack you at the final whistle. I mean, and I said, ah, well, no, 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 we're going to win 6-4. <laughs> but anyway, so, yeah, look, losing games is horrible. It's horrible, it is. Fucking horrible. Especially with a lot of fans there as well, isn't ah, it? Yeah, you don't want to dead people down. You're going to walk your best. You do your best. You use everything you have in your locker. Do your best. And when you lose, it's fucking horrendous. Uh, question from John Cunoff the same Harps game we just talked about but he said ask Roddy about buying the chips and bringing them on the bus home after Buddy Buffet that's right the lads made a whip round in the pub all the supporters and they came down Mick, Mick, um, Mick Cairns John Newton and the all wack. the lads yeah they came down knocked on the dressing room down they said Rod we're at the, we're at the ball and up the money for the chips for the bus 
yeah, that was Shamrock Rovers. And you got a good fade. We got a good fade, yeah. He was labs. I think that was the night we drew and Payne had to go through his legs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another one, this comes from Tommy Tarmy. He reckons you signed up a too expensive squad in 2005 considering the club had no money. Well, I was given a budget and I signed on the budget I was given. I didn't know there was no money. You were dealing with what they gave you, like? Yeah, well, if someone gives you £20 and says you can spend 20 you're going to spend 20 I didn't spend £21. But then, when the wedge needed to be brought in, whatever was going on in the background, the lads weren't getting. Now, don't forget, there was people on that board that put their hand around pocket. Tony McGuire, mm. he, 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 he had a big, huge, expensive kitchen coming. He put his hand on and he spent his kitchen money on the club. John Breen was putting money into the club. You know what I mean? Supporters want to win, and I see that. And, and they don't care about what goes on in the background. They just want to win. Right? Mm. But the stuff that went on in the background, there were so many good people there who really... I mean, I went weeks without wages. I didn't complain once. Mm. It didn't, you know... It was all about trying to win and for your own reputation and for the supporters. As I say, given a job, it doesn't matter if it's Rovers, Finn Herbs, Ward for that loan. You live for it and you die for it and you do your best to do your best. That's it. But you'd been different July, you had three losses, three wins. Had you started to think about a possible relegation dogfight? Was there a point where you just thought, we're doing a dogfight here? Well, I knew, I knew when the lads came to me and said, we have a 10 point deduction, I think it was. Eight points. Eight points, and they said, Will we appeal it? And I said, No, I'm an expert at relegation, dog fights, don't worry about that. <laughs> he says, um, Will we appeal it? I said, No, we might get more. I said, We'll handle the eight points. I was, I was never twitching, never twitching. So that was the ultimatum that you had. You had to say, Will we appeal it and potentially get more? Yeah, or take the eight. You were, you said, I was take, take the eight. eight. I was confident, take the eight, take the eight. So it was obviously a lock on on the background. Uh, the club goes into examinership. Yeah. The fans take over the club. Yeah. What was your relationship like with the members club before and after this takeover? Uh, I didn't like them. I didn't like them, to be honest with you. They didn't like me. No love lost between you and the There's members club? No love lost. We just tried to. Well, I can't pretend, but anyway, I'd done my best for as long as I could. But What was the main reason of the dislike between the two? Was it different in policies? or? Well, I'll tell you what the main reason was. A friend of mine who was a barber, was cutting the rovers, high up on the rovers' hair. He took a mobile call and he said, we'll get that fucking Collins fella out. And I heard that. So I knew it was a dead man walking. So it's very hard. If they had said to me face, I would have said, right, well, look, over have a two-year contract. Give me something out of respect. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not going to break anyone. I've never done it in my life. Give me something I respect. Man, man up with me, whatever. But it was sneaky, sleevy and sly the way it was done. And you know what I mean? I, I've I've met the lads afterwards since. There's one fellow of great time for... Oh, what's his name? Is he still involved with the club? Ah, uh, yeah. He's still, when I see now? games, we always shake, I see him at the games, we always shake hands. What's his name? Roach, you? Not Roach, you know, I've no time for him. He's a spear for he is. He, he went in there and said, I'm only doing this, I don't want to do this. 20 fucking years later, he's still in there. So the reason, why, why do you think that phone, you made that, you heard that phone call, why do you think that that came to that point where they wanted you out? Was it purely football or was it personal? It was personal, obviously. Well, if it was purely football, there were dopes. Because I was an expert at relegation. They should have said, let him get us out of trouble here. Mm. And then we'd sling him out. Stupid it was. It was ridiculous what they'd done. 
You know, and I knew I knew by the atmosphere and then I remember I went to a game. I went to a game. Now up and draw it with a good result. Paddy McCord got a brilliant goal. And I was called and said, Will you be at the reserve guard tomorrow? I said, Yeah, I'll see something, Pats. And the, the, the boys turned up and handed me this thing. Here, read that. For 70 pages. Come here. If I wanted to do all that, it'd be 10 years trying to do all that, you know. A big way went to Waterford after that. So, bit a bit of strife at the club, you could say. So, fans travelling in big numbers, then wins versus UCD, and then most notably Bowes. Did you start to think, I'm turning this around? I always knew I was going to turn around. Mm -hmm. There was never a doubt in my mind. And the Bowes night... Big win, that was. was a though. big win. And I remember... Tinga here he got injured that night. Feeney whacked him and, and scored. I think we won 3-2. We were down to 10 men that night, if I'm not mistaken. But we won. We won. We won. Is this when Tony Sheridan scores? T Sherlock. The only goal I remember Sherlock getting is was a full sports foil of Sherlock yeah. getting one. Yeah. 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 But there was a fella behind the dugout. Now there was a pitch invasion on that night, if I'm not mistaken. Gorgeous <laughs> it was. Brilliant. Great atmosphere. But there was a fella behind the dugout. He never stopped at me. He never stopped personally slagging me, wife slagging me in the hole. I'll never forget it. And we tried to win the game. And I remember losing and I called him out. I called him out and said, you fucking wait there and the game is over. You wait there. Because you're getting pairs with me kids and my wife and all that. I remember that. And then I go back and do it. We're trying to win a game. And I go, We're all the over the shop thinking. We're all over the shop. I only wanted a win. You know what I mean? And the people are supposed to be supporting the club. If you have a problem, you wait and the game is over. Jump on me if you want. I don't care. Throw papers in my garden. Do anything you want. Back your team. Mm. You know what I mean? Back your team. So we'll talk about the ban you got up in Derry. There was a 2 0 loss. Um, meant you had to sit out a 3 1 loss in Richmond Park in the stand. So tell us, did you stay for the full game? When you I sat did. 100% I was the full game. Stewart's accounts say differently. They say you left early. Well, get them in the court. So you're saying you stayed for the whole 90 minutes? 1 million percent. When that. It wasn't, it was about 93 minutes. And when that whistle was blown, I was standing looking at that pitch. 100% honest on my Bible. And I go to any court, right. anyone, any court, I was there. I got a taxi outside. I said it was John Brain in the documentary. It wasn't. It was my uncle Terry. John was already up there. Right. And I got a taxi outside that was waiting for me. I waited at the big gates. In your car. Yeah. I yeah. didn't want to be walking out the crowd. I couldn't get involved with the teams. I waited at the big gates. The ref on that. I turned and jumped into a taxi. I went up and boxed for charity. Right? And my phone went dead in the back of the taxi. Because I spent the whole game on the phone to Terry Everson. So he was in the dugout. You were on and, the and, and, and if that's all true, why did I win in court? Why wasn't this all brought to court? And they said, well, he left early with Stuart. Where are they? I didn't leave early. Yeah, that's what we want to clear you up. That's this I mean? why we're asking you. We come, want here, to know. come here, listen to me. Look at me. Right, wherever you're taking me. I'm a committed football man. Mm. It doesn't matter if you ask me to manage someone. I will never, ever, for the starters, let me players down. Never. So, would I walk away from the game? Not in a million years would I ever do that. Never. And the never. Sub subsequently after that, the suspension followed. So ah, you, yeah. you obviously didn't agree with oh, that. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, but also a suspension. And you know what it was it was released for a, an internal investigation. Come on. I mean mother range view up all what's that about? That's that's that could be anything. Yeah. It was horrendous. I mean I'm a mom of five children, right? There's people reading the papers, what's that about? 
did he get drunk? Did he did he did he rob money? Did he molest someone? You know what I mean? So I'm going around and explain to people, I have to explain to people, and I don't know nothing wrong. I only fucking work hard for no money and give every ounce I had mm. as a football man to that cause. One hundred percent. You gave one hundred percent for all the way. I gave one hundred percent, one hundred ten percent for everyone, every club we ever managed, and particularly Rovers because I, I wanted it. I wanted it to work. I wanted to be in that new stadium. I wanted to be what what what's up there now. I wanted to be up there with ten thousand people, going into the to the to the to the Champions League games, going into the to the to the knockout stages, yeah. winning trophies year in year out. That's what I wanted. You know what I mean? That's what I wanted. So anyone. That can stand in front of me. Bring them on. Yeah, no, they don't know me. They don't know me. Yeah. I think you mentioned a minute ago the the, the dossier that they sent you. Um, I've seen you do things that you did wrong. I've seen you describe it as nitpicking. Oh, come here. So was was there? Well, any, you know, was there I don't think there's a copy of it. Was there what? anything false in that? Was there any false statements in that dossier, or do you think it was just like like I said, nitpicking? Nitpicking. Yeah. I took Can you one, give us an example of that? One, I took one Sunday morning off training, right? One session in the whole time I was there, I was under severe pressure and I said to, to Mark Kenny and. <coughs> I had a point him a few weeks ago. No, he stalled. Main man, he was there for years. Derek Tracy. Derek Tracy. Derek. I said to Derek and then he says, It's only a warm down, it wasn't a training session. I said, You was taken. And I come up later and stood there and had a chat, right? And then the, it was in the thing. I never turned up for training. I showed no interest. I managed fucking clubs all over. You don't always have to be there. Yeah. You can ramble in a different voice, leave it for one day, let them have a talk behind me back if they want. That's management. That was your odd. Come here. If I showed you, you'd laugh. The relationship seemed fucked at that stage. It was gone. Yeah. They didn't like me. I knew it. You know what I mean? I knew from the minute they went in, I was gone. Because I was here in the back and you don't need to be in a room with people. I'm a good judge of cards. If you're not a good judge of cards, you're not going to be a good football manager. You have to, you know, find out what people like fairly quick. And I knew, bar one fella, he worked in the UFSC, I'll never forget it. And Noel Bunner, like Noel, and another chap, he worked in the UFSC because I brought Brooks Milton over to buy the club and it was his office we used. He's a lovely fella, he lives around, I made him a good bit up around um, Castle Knock. He's still involved, Robert? Yeah! <sighs> Well, I shake his hand all the time he's a lovely fellow I've great time from anyway but there you go we went down eventually though um, where were you when Rovers went down where was I when Rovers went down I was I know where I wanted to be in the dressing room yeah right I offered to go down I even offered to meet the lads before they went to the game to, to have a chat with them right that leads on to the next one as well doesn't it yeah so that was declined obviously to what that was declined ah yeah uh, come here no disrespect to Alan O'Neill. He's never managed. Look at my record. Banger, Bowes, Carlisle, all relegation. Yeah. I'm an expert at it. I'd have got Dublin City over. If they had a few bob and kept going, I'd have got them over. I'd have got Rovers over. And, I, and, and the thing about it is, when you know you could do something and you're looking at fucking ages coming in, whether they like me or not, let me get the, the club to where it needs to be and then say we don't want you there's your money we owe you and off you go and then we can all live happy ever after we look at you now they made a mess of it they got the club relegated they got the club relegated 100% so sure. I think it was 25th of November 
the official statement came out, I think it was four days after we got relegated, um, you got the sack. Do you think it was justified? And obviously there was proceedings after that, so what was the first phone call you made when you got the news that you officially got sacked? Well, I knew when I was suspended for a, an investigation, come here, you're not coming back after that. How can you sit in the same room as people that are doing that to you? So the first phone call I made, I would have been my solicitor for sure, you know. Yeah. So he's your anyway. So do you feel this is the second time now in the space of a year that you've been forced out of a club for personal reasons? Is that is that what you feel? Out of where? Dublin City and then Shamrock Rovers. Well, Dublin City wasn't personal. I grew up well with Rocky. He hadn't got a shilling. He hadn't got a penny. You know what I mean? They were punching, not punching with their way, they were punching with their way, they were way, way out of, I mean, you know, operating within, not within their means. Let's just say, he'd big mad ideas and, you know what I mean? No, that wasn't nothing to do with that. Mm. But, you know, yeah, look, come here. If you don't like someone, I've been a manager for years, you know, by my point, not don't like me, if you have a problem with someone, if I, if I had you in the club, right, and I sacked you, mm. let you go, I'd say, do you fancy your point? Or do you fancy your cup of tea? It's not personal. It's never personal. It's never personal. It's business. Never well, personal. It, it, is, it stayed personal. At they made it personal. I didn't, I didn't want to live. I didn't want to live. Uh, you mentioned Dermot Keady earlier playing against him. Ironically, he was the manager. He was the one to relegate Rovers with Dublin City. He had a long association with the Hoops. Yeah, um, I've I've seen him take kind of take shots at you over the years. Yeah. Is there like do you have you never liked each other? I played from, played from Sligo Rovers. We kicked lumps out of each other when we got the opportunity, and uh, had his son played for me, Big Alan, God rest his soul, great, lovely gentleman, great kid. So uh, no, no problem with them. Jeez, look at me. People thought I hated Ali Bourne. I knew Ali since I was fourteen. I played for Shelburne on the fourteens, down the Rings End, and Ali Bourne's bouncer was my uncle. Jack O'Rourke, the heavyweight champion of Ireland. So this people that don't know what's going on perceive different things. Stop. If we've seen Dermot tomorrow, I'd ask to have a point. He might tell me to fuck off. But I've no problem with Dermot. I've no problem with anyone. Except once they got personal. And, and, and you know, done stuff to me that just wasn't fair. You know what I mean? When you took the job in uh, Malta, jumping ahead a bit now, I'm not sure of the year. Was it 2008, 2009? Just can't remember. Yeah, but uh, what what sort of place were you in then? In terms of, you've been trying, you'd been applying for a lot of jobs in the League of Ireland, and you you've been knocked back. So what kind of place were you in? I tell you the place I was in after Rovers. I was five years without a job, and I know why. Why is that? Everyone knows why. Read the bill. Yeah, read that one. And I'm not <laughs> going to keep on, but everyone knows why. You know what I mean? There was two certain vindictive individuals that, you know, it was public knowledge. That they um they were black was to get you ah big time one million percent blacklisted me so when the Malta one come up it was like a wind up and we really back and work and then I went over there and it was gas they were tied in with Rovers did you know that yeah I don't yeah. think that's an official now but there is there's, yeah, there it was, was like a it was the Malta because I went with one of the directors up to up to Tallaght to see a game and uh, it was going to be a three way toy because they're the Maltese Irish they're called. You know the, the the greens. That's the car. But anyway, so I thought I thought I'd never get a job again. I couldn't get a job unless I seen. Who was this club that wouldn't give you a job unless I? So I hear this all the time. I'm not blue bell. Um, 
Um, so you'd be friends with John. John surely yeah, would have no, gave you a job. No, no, not that. John wasn't in Bluebell then. I tell you, what you call them? They're out there in home from. You know them. They're from around uh, St. Anne's. No, no. Donny Carney? No, no. You're not the well-known junior club. They used to play in Shell. Uh, they did loads of money. They sold their ground out in Rahindi. And Belgrove. Belgrove, yeah. Belgrove. And did you play for anyone else in the Leinster Senior League? No, no, we didn't. And the only reason I went with that one is because someone said to me, Rod's a great little club, they, they, they'll enjoy it. Get your foot back in the door. Nice man running it. And I thought, well, I don't even have to apply, I'll just ring them. And I did ring them and then they said, no. So ring somebody got in touch with Floriana Owner? But the thing about it is, right, I was at a presentation dinner one night, I was asked to present a few trophies for a junior club out of Cabra. And I was sitting there and a fella very high up in Waterford said to me, he said to me this way, he said, Rod, why are you not walking? Like as if I was lazy or I didn't want to walk. And I was crying for work. It was like putting something in a, in a cell. I just wanted to be a manager, you know yeah. what I mean? And he says, uh, I'll tell you why you're not walking. John Delaney is blocking you. That's what he said to me. John Delaney. That's what he said to me. He said to me, John Delaney is blocking you. That's what the young said to me. And I said, is that right? Had you ever had any dealings with John Delaney before that? Why would that come about? Why would that be the case, do you think? Potentially, like... Well, we all know I wouldn't be his biggest fan from day one. I didn't I didn't accept what was going on. I didn't trust him from the minute I met him. I didn't like the way he was running the FBI and obviously he was proved right on that one. So, yeah, I spoke out in my newspaper articles on the telly and all that. Mm. So that was it. Were, know, not many, were not many people doing that at the time? Nobody. And I was told, keep your mouth shut, keep your head and you'll be back and walk in a month. Well, I wasn't, and I'm glad. So the Floriana owner got a phone call. Do you reckon it could have been nothing to do with that? Well, he got a phone call saying I robbed money from two football clubs. Robbed that. money, that's a serious Sh- allegation. Trousered money, that's what it was. He, he, didn't say, he said trousered. Trousered money from two football clubs. That's what he was <laughs> told. That's a bit of a Dublin term, isn't it? Yeah, that's what he was told. I done a trousered money. Oh, I never heard that before, by the way. And then, uh, yeah, that came in. And that was just three weeks into the job, so... I wasn't even... My family hadn't even moved over. I was living in a hotel, and he called me, and I went to get the store on phone call, and I went down. He didn't get the call. They rang the Maltese FA, who called him to tell him about me. So they went through all the official lines? Yeah, and, and, I, really and, I, and I met a man who was the vice president of FIFA, right, in the hotel, who I knew, and I told him I was distraught, and he said, what's wrong with you, Rod? I said, I'm on the floor. I said, I'm fucking years trying to get work. And I thought it was thousands of miles away, but they're still at me. I said, I'm devastated. I said, my family's moving. I've picked out the schools and everything we did, you know. And he said to me, what's it about? And I told him, he says, well, funny you should say that. He said, you're the only player I know that gave money back to a club. And he told me a story. I gave two grand back to a club. So, so I said, will you do me a favour? When you go to the, 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 he was going to a big, whatever you call these gatherings with the, yeah. the Maltese FA. He was going to them... I said, you tell that Maltese FA my, where I am, who I really am. And then it went away. And then I sent solicitors letters to people. That if any, any more of this carry on, has gone to court, you know. So, Rovers fans, how do they treat you nowadays when you visit? Right. Brilliant. Yeah, it starts out with a bit of slagging, you know. And uh, we, 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 oh, it doesn't bother me. The slagging doesn't bother me. And then we have the crack. It's football. It's only a game. And there's no one more happy to see Rovers and any league club, league of one club progressing. And long may it last, in my opinion. Most memorable interaction with a Rovers fan? Excluding the digging matches. Most memorable interaction with a Rovers fan was 
one particular fella, he's all known, mad as a brush, <laughs> never left me alone, harmless old devil, never left me alone, right? And I walked into a pub in town with my wife on Saturday about four o'clock. I was having a little day out and I went into this little honky-tonk, it's called The Snug. It's a little honky-tonk pub off Dame Street, George Street. And I went in and there, uh, next time I heard, Roddy Collins beats his wife. Oh, what the fucking car's looking. She's, she's hardy, she knows this, maybe she's 16, she knows the crack. And there he is, he beats his wife. It's only about 20 people in the pub, they're not looking at me, you know. And then he goes, Roddy Collins, it's a wanker, it's a wanker. And I said, oh, I said, oh, I said, oh, we leave. Point went up the counter, so I'll finish me point and I go, Went to, went to drink the went to pay with the point, it was already paid for. Ah, he did. <laughs> so he come up to me. He says, I'm only winding you up. And I said, Yeah, he said, a lovely way of doing it. So I got a photograph and I put it in the stand that Monday morning. And we forgave each other. So uh, look, loads of interactions, but none of them, you know what I mean? Very volatile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't you know, go down that road. Uh, right now. No, once got out of hand. I was walking with my wife and my two kids down to Tolka Park for the game and they they were singing Roddy Collins is a paedophile wherever they were singing it and I remember a gang of Rovers supporters turned around and said no, that's enough of that that's over give it over yeah. and that's the way because they're good supporters there's yeah. always a few madros everywhere isn't there? Yeah. I think I read that Sligo someone threw a full can of beer at you no that was a dairy supporter dairy was it just whisked past me here yeah, so yeah. I took the call him out he bottled it, didn't he? He bottled it, thank God. Yeah. I'm a fucking big fella too, you know. But you were managing Monaghan in that 2012 season and after getting them up, you had our strikers. Now, this is something I noticed, right? Yeah. Now, I, I thought this was mad and I have this vivid memory from years ago. We were playing Monaghan. Remember Tony Griff? Yeah. You had Tony Griff playing and you had the strikers marking fullbacks. No, strikers not, not marking them. They were marking standing, the fullbacks? No, they were just Stand, standing there. Yeah. Because you're Roy Fall, Charles, was that his name? Uh, he was a black chap Craig, Craig Gilbert Craig Gilbert yeah. right every it was this was under Stephen Kenny's stewardship right mm. every attack from Rovers came from that kid right so we said right let him go so that's why we didn't score I put Owen he did, he, I, put, I, think it was. I put Owen Owen there's only a kid I said you do not go back and chase back I've done it against Kaiserstown and Jeremy and we beat them 2-1 I said you do not just stand there Stay on side, look across, right? I said, because he's either going to stop going or we're going to get you in. And we got him in three times, but he hadn't got the legs, only about 17. <laughs> hadn't got the legs. But I've done that millions of times, that's a great tactic. Brilliant tactic. <laughs> Tony Griffin, um, we done that against Sligo in the Cup. Tony played there and Jason Marks played over there. We beat them 3 1, and the goals came from that tactic. You see, the centre halves didn't know what to do. Yeah, because they're free. They didn't know what to I remember. The right back saying to little Algy, he says, he was English, wasn't he? He says, What are you fucking at? London lad. Yeah. He says, What are you fucking at, right? And Algy looks out, Oh no, ass moving in. He says, He don't understand it. But it's a tactic. He Come here, look, we need nothing. And Rovers were flying, so we had to try something out of the yard. I think we got a draw that night. Didn't it? Yeah, I think it was. No, no, no yeah. we scored first. You scored, did you? And boy, yeah. but either way, we didn't I think Willow scored first, yeah. That was, that was Manning's last ever home game, I think. No, that wasn't. That wasn't. That wasn't. 
The game we're talking about was an L draw in Garda Keegan. No, I'm talking about Oh, Garda that Keegan. one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, but I played that title yeah. as well. Yeah. And we read the goal up. Ah, yeah. And the one was an L draw, yeah. And, and the club are thrilled. All the wrong sports are going to drink the bar dry. There was no money okay, there. Right. You know? <laughs> that was the last one, yeah. We spoke about it earlier on. We were talking about the 6-4. And what would you have done if you were in the Rovers dugout during the 6-4? What have you done? Oh, when we went three at the back, right, it was 4-1. I'd have went three up front straight away. Yeah. But when I seen the manager telling Boots <coughs> to take the ball into the corner. A 4-1 up. 4-1 up. And about, what, over 25 minutes ago, take the ball into the corner. And what I done was, I took off the left back. Right? And I played Rutherford as a, I said, get down at them that side. Because Mark Rutherford, he, he, he could run a marathon and go out and play a game of football. I think he's still playing. Probably is. So he absolutely managed the match in the second half. And then when we went four all, my dugout said, Rod, go back to four at the back. I said, we beat these ten. We had a momentum there. We absolutely ran amok. And I, I was getting, and I tell you one thing, when the final whistle went, it was pure relief. You were getting sadness. sick. I was getting sick. I didn't know whether to be happy or sad or annoyed or frustrated. But look, it's all part of an old game that we love. I don't know if you ever heard the story, but Tony O'Dowd told it to us that uh, at half time they were thinking what to do. Rovers were 4 1 up. And uh, Don suggested to Rico go five in the middle. And apparently, the whole few people in the dressing room erupted in laughter. Yeah. Including Tony, he was on the bench. Yeah. And then after the match, Rico had to go with Tony for laughing at that tactic. Yeah. And like they, they got into a fight now. So obviously the, the story's about both dressing rooms. Well, it's not the story yeah. I didn't like about that game. There was a kid playing right full. Right? For you or Rovers? For both No, for, for Rovers. His name could have been Stuart. I don't know, yeah. something Stuart. He never played again. He was destroyed. On the, on the, pre, on the post-match uh, criticism, the poor kid was destroyed. He never played again. Never played it again? Was, it yeah. wasn't his fault. Damien bottled it that day. That's my opinion. He bottled it that day. Because you don't go phone up at half time. There wasn't a party going in. I know you looked and I went, hold on. And if you look at the game, it could have been four all at half time. It was one of those games. The keeper, what was end. his name? Like I said, Tony, Horgan. Was, Tony was in the bench. Oh, yeah, Rob, yeah Robbie. Horgan, yeah. You had, did you have my Dublin City? Well, I had half of him because he was nothing like the one that played <laughs> that day. He was brilliant. He reminds me of Tom Chesky when England played Poland in, in, the, in one of the World Cups before he was born. But... I looked at that game and at half time we went to him. I said, lad, they're three goals better off than us. But it could have been three all. I said, we'll keep it going. There's goals in us. But I knew if we conceded another one at four, it had been five, would have took the steam. Yeah. And you just broke and hit the post. And then you just broke and spooned one wide. But once we got the second goal, once the total <coughs> went to him, if we'd have been down to a half now, it would have been 12. Yeah. <laughs> Capitulation, is that the word you use? Yeah. That's still their iconic game, isn't it? Our one is the Twiggy 2-1 in Tala. We get ah, the two yeah. late goals. So. Uh, Some fan <coughs> questions now, don't we? Yeah, Dan Fulham wants to know, how, would you have well, how have you dealt with the Eagles in the Rawers dressing room in 2012? That's the Stephen Kenny season. So how would you have dealt ah, with the Eagles? Eagles! Could you have got the best out of that Rawers squad and continued Michael O'Neill's momentum after he left, do you think? Uh, 
He inherited the squad that qualified for the Europa League and won yeah, the league. Yeah, well, Twig, well, Torna, well, Sibes. Yeah, Royce, it, it, was a brilliant, it was a brilliant squad, right? When you walk into a situation like that, right, it's very difficult. You know what I mean? What do you think Kenny did wrong then if after you finish your own point there? Well, what I think he done wrong was he allowed from, I don't know, I wasn't in the dressing room, but if, you know, if the truth, if it is true that uh, some of the dressing room disrespected him and, you know, he was locked out of a team meeting or something like that, that can't allow that. So you've heard that famous story as well? Well, I don't know if it's true. But Neither do we, yeah. A lot of stuff, I'd say 99% of stuff football, as you said to me, since it's come in, it's not true. But they're good stories. But look, when you walk in a situation like that, you're on the back foot, you've got to go on the front foot quick. Right? You're going to nail personalities. doesn't matter who they are, what they've achieved in the previous. If you go in there and Twiggy's acting a mega, Twiggy, you're out. You, you're out. It's a big call to make, though, isn't yeah, it? No. Well, obviously, you have to go in. I've done it in dirty, and I got the sack. Who was the, who was the ego there? Well, there was not so much egos, but there was... Certain individuals running the show, and um, Rory Patterson wasn't it? Well, I'm not going to say that. The certain individuals running the show that felt they were they were more important and bigger than the manager, and was probably getting a little bit of support from uh, one of the, the 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 officials in the club. Ah, okay, okay. You know what I mean? So it was undermined. So you take them on, you take them on, you win, you go on and win trophies, you lose, you get the sack. I took them on and dirty. I got the sack. I remember that actually. I remember thinking he's a head case dropping him. <laughs> That's what I thought. No, I'm not talking about Rory. I, I actually got great with Rory. I know mm-hmm. never the problem. Well, you did Rory. get dropped, didn't you? Yeah, I sent them out in the second team just to make a point. You know. You know. I remember that. Yeah. yeah I remember. No, there was there was. You see, every club you went to. When I walked into Carlisle, there was five or six fellas on two and a half, three grand a week. They were run the show, mm-hmm. three year contracts. You walk in. Remember one that put his hand on his shoulder. Don't worry, Gaffer. I'll be here longer than you. Fuck. He wasn't. <laughs> but I took a gamble. I could have been, but you, you have to, you have to stand in that dressing room and earn respect, right? And how you do it is the, the answer to how you succeed. And I don't know how Stephen walked in that dressing room. I don't know how Michael left that dressing room. But when you walk in, it's a new. You've to gain your respect, and you have to stamp your authority on it. And how you do that will determine. How you are as a manager. Yeah. If you can't do it, you haven't got it as a manager. End of story. You mentioned Monaghan, you got them promoted. You did it again with Atlanta Town, you won the, the first division. Uh, you did a great job, in fairness, limited resources. No uh, resources. Do you feel that you were rebuilding your reputation and then Derry was a shot at redemption then? Oh, 100%. When you got that job, I thought that's that's a big, big job. Yeah, you, well, you went with the whole I'll move up and bringing everybody. It was and a toss up between Sligo and Derry. I was interviewed on the same day by both clubs, but Derry was the one for me. But I knew the night of the. I knew the night of the, you know they do the launch in the Aviva. Yeah, and you have a player from each team. Yeah, yeah. I was at that as a manager, and then I went straight to Derry for a big, big gala dinner, and the guest speaker was John Delaney. And he stood up and he said, Roddy Collins said he'd win the league. He won't be here long enough. Fuck oh off. How long were we in the club? It wasn't even pre-season. I didn't even start the pre-season training. And did you ever have any actual face-to-face conversations with John Delaney? Ah, loads, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, we wouldn't call him a conversation. Tell him he's a fucking idiot, you know? Did you ever think one day this guy will be taken down? 
In any walk of life, I don't care what you do, you can't run around like that. You know what I mean? You can't run around like that drinking with support. Blatant as well, wasn't it? Yeah, you can't do it, yeah. Look, first of all, I used to build you in the home. That's where that's where your life starts. And if you used to build you in the home, everything's solid. But when you look at the foundations of certain individuals, you know. Like I right, I've often signed players, right? And or people come for a job in the background. And I'd say, What's your life? say, oh, I love the women. Is he married? Yeah. Get him out. Yeah, don't need that. Well, if you can't give loyalty to your wife and your kids, how are you going to give it to a, a football manager? True, true. So out yeah. the door with you. You know what I mean? Uh, best achievement as a manager? Best achievement as a manager keeping Caroline in the league two years in a row. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Boy, am I tough. Very tough. Really, 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 really tough. And I would have done it with Rovers, but I wouldn't have said it was the best achievement because I really go players at Rovers, even though the background was very watery and yeah. difficult but Carlisle and people argue with me all the time about League of Ireland and League 2 it's 40 odd games the League Cup the FA Cup the LDV Cup you're travelling all around and everywhere you go is a fucking hard game it's a slog it's a slog and if you're doing that with no money when I'm in there under what's his name Michael Knighton we had nothing we, were, we, we couldn't sign players we didn't, I was getting 200 quid a week wages living on my own over there it was horrendous and we finished 14 in the league 14th That's on a good over, Friday over 20 team league 22, 22 team league team. and it was 14th on a good Friday and I told Michael Knight to stick his job because I was having to be in with loads of work and uh, I, I, I got on the ferry home that night so the CV was fairly packed at that time Actually, I was getting tipped to take over Sheffield Wednesday and Plymouth there, Goyle, and you know, they're all up uh, yeah. divisions higher, and I was getting great recognition of real football people like Larry McMenemy couldn't stop praising me. Um, I remember uh, Barry Froy sending me a big fax, you know, congratulate me on everything, you know. So there was a lot, and, and I, I got a relationship with Alex Ferguson as well. I could speak to him on the phone, and he was very, very good to me, and Bobby Robson. So I was getting right into the, mm. into the mix, you know. Wasn't it uh, Sam Allardyce who famously said, if my name was Sam Allardyce, I'd, I'd be managing Real Madrid. Yeah. Do you feel like if you had a shot with a club with, with a bit of financial muscle, you'd have done a good job? I don't need financial muscle. We won the... I kept Banger in the, in the league. I got them into the top six. I paid the wages. In saying that now, throughout the course of this interview, you've mentioned financial struggles as a... A way of not being able to succeed. Yeah. So which one? Which one is it? Is it? No. If no, it's not financial struggle. Is right. If you say you sign me for two hundred quid a week. Yeah. Right. Which is small money. Mm. And I can't give you two hundred. Then it becomes a struggle. Okay. That's what I'm saying. If I sit down with a player and say, "Look, I want you to play with bowls or rovers or shells or however," right? That's all I can give you. Are you happy with that? You sure? Think about it. Yeah. So that's your wage. If he gets £10 less, then it becomes a struggle. So what I'm saying is, you don't need... When we won the league with Bowles, we were fourth in the table, financially. When we won the league at, at, at Lowen, we were fifth. When we got promoted at Monaghan, we were seventh in it's the when division. when you take over, when you took over. Money is not everything. But guaranteed what you're agreed is everything. 
It's everything. You can un- oh, yeah, no, I will I will agree with you on that. If you're told something, you should you should be honest. Yeah. yeah I I imagine now I don't know what you walk out, right? But say if you're walking and you go Friday after you have weeks walking, you go in, you're expecting five hundred euros a week or whatever, and your grand is two fifty there. You might need to be stuck for the other two fifty. It's just it demoralise you, mm. it's horrible. It's really it's it's really you know, and when I employed plasters for years and years, never ever, and things were tough on building sites, never, not one man, I've employed probably over 150 people in Dublin, not one man has ever been left one penny short, never. Give us your lowest point as a manager. The lowest point as a manager was, Jordan I paid the time and I couldn't get work, before Malta. That was five, six years. Yeah, it was, I think it was about four and a half, five years, and... The draw the supporters were ringing me and ringing me and ringing me and ringing me and I was delighted. We want you in, we want you in, we want you in. And I said, look, I'm desperate for work. So they set up an interview for me. The club rang me, set up an interview. And the fella came to interview me, came on his own at half an hour late. Right? And we all know who he is. And I went all suited and built and went in with me, whatever. Even though I didn't have to prove that the draw at the time. And I thought, look... I probably have the job. That's why they didn't come down with their directors and all. I remember I was walking in the park the next day with my wife and the phone rang. It was some, I don't know, representing Jordan. Uh, we're not giving you the job, we're giving it to someone else. And I remember I remember sitting down. In your life, when you're only young for the right, but people say, I was on the floor. I was on the floor. Rock bottom. I physically couldn't get up. That's the truth. I was just, I just, oh, bloody fucking. When's it going to end, type give thing? A, give us a break. That's yeah, all I wanted yeah. was a break. That's all, just a break. Because I am good at it, by the way. <laughs> I am good at it. I mean, you don't win leagues and promotions and get the cup finals if you're a dodo, you know? Uh, well, as you know, I'm, I'm I'm doing this documentary, so I've talked to a lot of players and board members and fans. And everyone says the same about you as man management, as a good motivator of players. So yeah. are you what about look- tactics out a- in Europe? Out tactics. What about tactics out in Europe? So are you kind of looking at especially during that period that other jobs saying oh give me that job I absolutely wish you would give me that job there I would do a good job there any job you're a competent manager anyway you're a competent no, well, no you're only competent when you win like, let's be honest I walked into a ball's dressing room hadn't been in the league of Ireland game in about 10 years didn't even know a player hadn't been, I was being booking with the box up for 3 years I walked into that dressing room two, and they were rock bottom and they hadn't got a shilling 2 years later they win the Dublin they win 2 European games you're not a dope if you do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, we've more fans' questions now. Now we can't shoot the messenger on this one, really. Did you ever get the trowels back and the plaster tools out of Mercedes? Never. Never. Or the kids' toys. The, nothing never no, came back. Nothing. Uh, Prof, you're up next. Uh, we have. I read your column uh, around the time of the cup final. Oh, actually, I do yeah. like this. I, I really enjoyed that one about the Bowes players' suits. You you weren't impressed by the suits at all. And you were kind of partly blaming it for their defeat, really, in, in, in the cup final. Because you, you put a lot of stock in the build-up and the preparation and treating it like an occasion. That's really important to you. It's massive. Fruit of the loom t-shirts. Whatever. No, look, at the end of the day, right, cup finals, cup games were never my team. And any player will tell you that. Leagues, leagues, leagues. That's all I ever wanted to win. Cups happen. Like the night, the, the time we won the double, Mark Kenny smashed one off the post. He should have scored in the, the semi final. You know what I mean? So, cups, like bad teams can win cups. Best teams win the league, right? 
Now, what I'm saying is, when the lads get there, it's an occasion, it's a one-off. You get a suit, you have the suit for years. I always would get a Louis Copeland suit, right? Always the best. And make the lads feel the best. Make their families feel the best. And if it doesn't go your way on the day, it could lose to a Dolby penalty or a bad reference. There's still great memories there of the whole feeling of, you know, Hollywood. Did those thousand pound suits ever make it to Carlisle? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh they did, yeah. When we played in the LDV final, I got Louis Taylor over and he measured everyone. And I've loads of photographs, all my relations and friends coming over to cup final, everyone had a Louis Copeland bag oh, they, they, <coughs> Did you ever fix the Jesus hole in your jocks? Did you ever what? Did you it wasn't even my trousers. The trousers. <laughs> yeah. Did they ever get a fix? My trousers split. Oh Jesus. <laughs> and any digging matches uh, that you ever get into as player or managers that would they would it, did it ever get physical and then afterwards you just says okay shake your hand always afterwards always yeah, yeah loads of physical and you never and you never have anyone say oh, I'm fucking I'm doing something about this is always you shake your hand that's it oh well look you know what I mean uh, I don't think I've ever hit anyone first yeah that's what I'm saying so anyone any tough nuts ever hit you and you said oh right, yeah well, one, one fella he was um, he was assisting at Burry <coughs> he was the next SAS soldier and he had a fella called Chris Billy playing away. She signed. He was a, he was a good player. And he broke up one of our players in a tackle in Carlisle. And I went from after the game, just words. And the big SES fella came and he threw one at me. And then it ended up in a mass brawl. I'll never forget it. And we were at the tunnel, in, in, in the, not the tunnel, the corridor in Carlisle to the way dressing room was there. Ours was there. And it was a real toy. It was unbelievable. It was the funniest thing i ever seen. And then, um, yeah, I met him. Half an hour, an hour later, and we went out and had a good laugh on the pitch. <laughs> no way, just like that. Yeah, it's not. Look, it's all, it's all emotions at the end of the day. You Water know, under I mean? the bridge after that. Of course, because it's only a game. Well, I've chosen this name at random because he's kind of a tough, tough reputation. But who wins in a scrap? You or Paul Hegarty? Oh, Hegsy all day long. <laughs> tough as nails. I wouldn't want to be fighting him. He'd be still here next year. <laughs> Hegsy is, is a, is a, is a, <coughs> a lumberjack, I think. Right, he's one of the hardest, worthiest fellas ever, and a gentleman. So we would never, ever, ever get physical with him. And now, hopefully now, but even when we were young, it wouldn't happen. He's too much of a gentleman. And your your young still playing ball, Aiden, isn't it? No, Rod. Rod and yeah. uh, who? Right, who's in winning the paper pay per view scrap? Him or James McLean? Ah, Rod knocked them out already. Open <laughs> <laughs> the brandy well, wasn't it? Open the brandy well, yeah. I heard James came over, reckon the Charlie with the the Range Rover and the Rolex. No, it wasn't. It was a it was a Buscatti. Is that what they call a Muscatti? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Buscatti. Well, no, the thing about it was, he went online or whatever, and he bad mouthed me, and he bad mouthed young Rod, which was wrong. He said he wouldn't game in the five side. That's for another international because my young looked up to him, mm. you know, and for him to say that was a bit below the belt and it got a bit physical. But Rod's a good boxer. He boxed since he was a kid. Yeah. And he's a very good boxer, you know. I just had one final observation, and that was, Roddy, you've had a colourful life. <laughs> Read the book. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, well, I have one more question, actually. I'll, I'll, we'll end it with this. What's next? What's next for Roddy? Roddy Collins. I'll tell you now, I will be back and walk in England by pre-season. England? Yeah. As in plaster nerve manager? Oh, no, 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 no. No, manager. And you're back? I'll be back. 
League, well, football back. league or non-league? Well, we'll see. See what I'll happens. be back and work. I'll be back and work in England. Well, so that's it, Roddy. You've been brilliant. Thanks for all your time. Ah, thanks. And uh, we appreciate it. Appreciate, and, and I just, appreciate the I, honesty. Can I just say, all the lads and all your mates that think and all the stories they hear, right? I'll meet any of them. If they have a story and, and it's upset them or offends them, I'll tell them the truth. And if I got it wrong, I'll hold my hand up. Yeah. What can you do? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Best. We appreciate the honesty, Roddy. Thanks for coming in, right? Yeah, no Roddy. problem. Thanks for having nice me. Nice and Rob. Appreciate right, it. Pal. Thank you. I wanna be a billionaire, so fucking bad. Buy all of the things I never had. I wanna be on the cover of Forbes magazine, smiling next to Oprah and the Queen. Oh, every time I close my eyes, I see my name. A different city every night Oh, I, I swear The world better prepare For when I'm